So Michael and I clearly have different personalities. He says, how long are you going to preach for? And I said, oh, I don't know, like 15 minutes. And he was like, what? That's it? But, you know, it turns out that's okay on a day like today. <laughs> so I am not long-winded at times. But anyway, there's a lot to, to share about the passage that we'll look at today. But as a staff at our church office, we actually decided to dig into our personalities a little bit, and maybe you've done some of these types of tests before, like a color test or a shape test. They even have one about how you sit on a chair and what that means about your personality. Clearly, some tests have more merit than others, but if you've done this one, then you'll know what I'm about to talk about This new one, I think it's new, I don't know, it was new to me, the Enneagram test. So as a staff, we all took this. You can ask Peter, Michael, or Shannon, or myself what number we are. So it assigns you a number from one through nine. And then it describes what sort of person you are. And, you know, you read the description, like, oh, wow, that really does sound like me. So it turns out I am a nine. It was not a surprise to me. That is the peacemaker. So... That means that I like when everybody gets along. I like when everybody comes out of things feeling like they're a winner. I'm the mom who goes to my kid's sport event, and I'm like, do we really need to keep score? Like, then somebody's going to feel like the loser. So that's, that's me. And that might be one of the reasons why I found the passage for today, it kind of like felt bristly to me, kind of felt like it rubs me a little the wrong way. It left me concerned that... A few things. Not everybody may be able to connect to it. And maybe not everybody will come out of it feeling like a winner. So we're going to be reading today Proverbs 31. And when we think of poetic literature in the Bible, we often think of the Psalms. There are a lot of poems in the Psalms. Or we think of Songs of Solomon not really Proverbs. Um, Proverbs kind of, you know, feels like a whole different category, like more of an instruction booklet. But this final chapter in Proverbs that we're going to talk about today is, in fact, a poem. And uh, (laughs) I relate things to, you know, you relate things to something that, that you like, something that you can feel a sense of, you understand. So to me, this is what it's like. If you've ever purchased something from Ikea, you will know where I'm going. <clears throat> I used to work there. That's a side note. So sometimes when I use examples, they're, you know, they're related to stuff you know. So it would be, you're reading you know, Proverbs, you're going through Proverbs. It's like opening up an instruction booklet from a piece of furniture you just bought from Ikea. Maybe you can't pronounce the name of it. Like maybe it's like a Klepstad you're like, what's a Klepstad? It's a wardrobe with three doors. It's $129. Anyway, so you're reading the instruction booklet, and you're like, okay, I get it. Step one, two, three, whatever, so on. And then you get to the end, and you have a poem. And you're like, oh, that's weird. There's a poem at the end of my instruction booklet. But it's describing for you how to use the wardrobe to its fullest. It's like everything you need to know from A to Z about how to use the Klepstad perfectly. So that's kind of what we have here. Chapters 1 to 30 is kind of like our instruction booklet on how to live well in the world that God created. And then we get to chapter 31, the final chapter, verses 10 to 31, are a poem at the end of it all. 
And it's actually an acrostic poem. It's not the only time that that's found. There's other poems in Psalm that are uh, an acrostic poem. And so in the original Hebrew, um, each line, each verse, it goes alphabetically in order in the, alpha, uh, in the Hebrew alphabet. So that's why it's kind of like it ties everything up from A to Z. It's everything you need to know from A to Z. Anyway, this poem, it's unlike the previous chapters that are instructional, how to do life well. And then we have here this woman who is actually doing life really well, maybe even perfectly. So I've heard it said, though, I'm going to have a sip of coffee. I was given this travel mug as a gift from Canadian Food Gradens Bank because, you know, Ian and Brenda, they said, well, if you're up there drinking your coffee anyway for all to see, then you might as well promote something good. So <laughs> it's amazing. The coffee as well. So anyway, um, I've heard it said that originally, you know, chapter 31 maybe wasn't the last chapter. There was a chapter 32, and it was all about the perfect man and husband, but that kind of got lost in translation along the way. So, <clears throat> And maybe that's why these verses feel a little bristly to me. Like, we're not perfect. We're not perfect people. I'm not a perfect wife. I'm not a perfect mother. And compared to these, ber- to these verses, I, I don't feel like I'm that winner. Like, I want to go to the sports game where we don't keep score and everybody is the winner. Uh, do we have to keep score when we're reading this? But now, without the proper context, you know, this passage could feel like a bit of a checklist on how to be that perfect wife and mother and all that kind of stuff. But you can all take a breath and relax because that if that's the impression that you have been left with before, then uh, you might need to hear the insights from today because it's not really what we should be taking away from it. Now, I hope I have appropriately piqued your interest and we haven't even read anything yet. So if you were like, oh, it's not about me, I'm a guy, I'm not a dad, or I'm single, and you're just going to daydream about going to Swiss Chalet next and having a festive special, then do tune back in because I do think there is something here for everyone today. So we're going to approach this. You'll see uh, probably the like, Sunday school teacher in me a couple of times in the next 10 minutes um, because you, know, you try to make things grab the attention of, of children. And I know you are not children here today, but we're going to approach it in a way that I would do in Sunday school. We're going to be like investigative reporters. So we're going to ask questions of the text. We're going to say things like who and what and when and why and how. So this poem is about a fictitious woman. Yes, it describes her as being a wife and a mother, but she's also so much more. She's she's resourceful. She's entrepreneurial. That's a hard word to practice correctly. Entrepreneurial. We read in verses 16 and 18 that she considers a field, and then she buys it. And out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. And she sees that her trading is profitable. We also read that she's clothed in fine linen and purple, and that can suggest, you know, she has a certain amount of wealth, so she, you know, her profit has done her well. Uh, Maybe she has a certain amount of status. The color there is actually important. So we know from verses 12, 17, 25, and 26 
that she's someone who speaks well of her husband. She does not put him down. She's hardworking. She's a woman of strength and dignity. And she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. So that is who we are reading about in the poem. Well, when she's not purchasing land or planting a vineyard, let's see what this to-do list of hers looks like. So verse 13, we read that she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She gets up while it's still while it's still night, and she provides food for her family and portions food for her female servants. Verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. Verse 22, she makes coverings for her bed. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Verse 27, she watches over the affairs of her household. I already drink so much coffee. I cannot drink any more coffee. And yet, with all of the caffeine that I drink to keep myself going throughout the day, I don't come anywhere near accomplishing this kind of stuff in a day or a week or a month. So when I talk about, you know, sometimes we read it as a checklist, we look at it and we're like, oh my goodness, I can't check all that stuff off of my list. But this text was written somewhere around 2,500, 3,000 years ago. During that time, women weren't even permitted to own land or run a business. They were considered property of their husband. And really, that is still the case in some places of the world today. So let's just quickly summarize our who, what, when so far is that we have a fictitious woman who's married, she has children, she is respected beyond probably what's normal for that day and time. She's kind of like the Martha Stewart Pinterest queen winner of Women in Business Award of the Year poster child. (laughs) So if she were doing a personality test, it's like she's 100% in every personality. She is, you know, she's the helper, but she's also the high achiever, and she's the, you know, um, compassionate person, but she's also the perfectionist, and, you know, she nailed it on everything. When I you know, try out Pinterest things. I nail it in that category of like the fail. You know, I failed my, some, my upcycle project that I tried to do. Not actually like, yeah, you got it. Anyway. So here's a fun fact though to share with you. Some Old Testament scholars have pointed out, I felt good about reading this, that in our English translation, maybe we got some of the tenses wrong with the verbs, or we're kind of not picking up on originally in Hebrew, many of the verbs were in past tense. So not as though everything is done off this checklist today, every day, every week, every month. What we're reading is possibly a lifetime of achievements of someone. So if we read it with some past tense associated with her tasks, it's what she's done over her lifetime. That kind of makes it a little more digestible, doesn't it? Now, a question we can ask any passage in the Bible, though, is why was this included in Holy Scripture? Like, of all of the countless things we can learn about God or from God that he really wants us to take in and remember, like, He fit it all into 66 books, and for some reason, this poem was included at the end of the instruction book 
the wisdom to live by. Why? Now, in Jewish tradition, and this is still practiced for many people today, on the Friday night Sabbath before the meal, the husband will recite this poem to his wife. And that's because of the direct instruction that's found in it. Now, if you're like me, when I read it, I hear, I hear a direct instruction as though this poem is saying to me, Hannah, you should take better care of your household. Hannah, you better wake up before sunrise and get the breakfast meal prepared. Hannah, you should be sewing bed linens for everybody. <laughs> like, that isn't the case, though. The poem isn't condescending and telling women where they fall short. It's using descriptive language. It's describing a fictitious woman's life. But found in the final verse, there's instructive language used there, and it says that a woman like that, described in the poem, is to be praised, and she should be honored for all she has done. So why should the woman be praised? That's another why question we can ask of this. She shouldn't be praised just for keeping her household running smoothly or making nice clothes for her children or saying kind things to her husband. She should be praised, it's found at the end there, because she fears the Lord. So let's recall from a number of weeks ago when Pastor Michael began this series on Proverbs that everyone should fear the Lord. And this is where the message is for us all. It's not just women. It's not just men. It's everyone should fear the Lord. So here we have the final chapter in Proverbs. And yes, uh, this particular passage is about a woman who fears the Lord. And I suppose the writer could have written about some other person. But he didn't. This is what we have. So let's also recall, though, what it means to fear the Lord. Because if you weren't here for that explanation a number of weeks ago, or you haven't dug into that question before, it kind of does sound odd. I know Michael did mention it, too, when he started off the series. You know, we find it in the Bible all the time. Don't be afraid. But then here, we're being told to fear the Lord. It, it just, it's like, what does that mean? Sorry, but a side note, again, if you weren't here a number of weeks ago, technology can be used for good and bad sometimes. So bad uses of technology, when you're my age, things like TikTok videos. That's not my thing. We shouldn't be doing that. That's for children. Or mindless scrolling to look at other people's seemingly perfect lives. Not a good use of technology. But if you missed a sermon, go online and you can read them. Good use of technology. So, if you missed some of Michael's sermons on Proverbs, they are on our website. So Michael used an analogy that to fear the Lord is like being on the same team as God. Do you remember him saying that? So... He was also willing to divulge about his little league team. I wasn't in the sermon then, but when I went back and listened to it, I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, the Aylesford Ants. Yeah, they got squashed every time by those bigger guys. So, But we want to be on the same team as the all-powerful God. He's going to win every time. Let's be on that team. So to fear the Lord is to say, yes, I want to be on your team because you are all-powerful and like you are going to win. Put me on that team. So we're acknowledging that God is the best. And then we want to live according to his instruction, because he is. 
So our woman in the poem feared the Lord, and that's the reason she's to be praised. This poem, yeah, it's about a woman, but it's just really also a description of a life lived wisely in this world that God created. God has called called all of us, men, women, children, everybody, to number one, fear the Lord, and then we live wisely. So there's one last question that we're going to ask of this passage, and uh, that's the how. And so we've kind of been going through that all along through the series, how do I do it? And our texts from Proverbs have described how we live wisely. But let's go back even farther than that, and we want to talk about what it means to actually... Sorry, I lost my place in a really important moment. (laughs) So, again, okay, the Sunday school teacher part of me. What I'm coming around to is, like every Sunday school lesson, it's going to be about Jesus, right? So that's just when you ask a kid a question in Sunday school, every answer they say first, it's Jesus. Well, if you were to say that right now, it's true. So, So I can't help talking about that because it's the truth that's found in the gospel. And we are not perfect people. But because of Jesus, we can put on the clothes of righteousness, his righteousness and perfection. And it begins with inviting him to be your friend and admitting to him that, yeah, we do mess up. And yeah, we try to do things our own way. And yeah, I'm not going to have all of my dishes done before I go to bed every night and I have seven loads of laundry piling up in the laundry room downstairs. And that's okay. With Jesus as our friends, you're adopted into God's family. You're on God's team. And you will be then filled with the Holy Spirit. So when I read Proverbs 31, I don't so much concentrate on all of those things that she did. She probably doesn't have seven loads of laundry piling up in the laundry room downstairs, and her dishes probably are all washed. But to me, that's beside the point. Because I see her character when they're describing these wonderful things that she's doing, I'm seeing the fruit of the Spirit. I see her as being loving and joyful and to have peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And so when we take the step to invite Jesus to be our friend, and we get to put on his clothes of righteousness, and the Holy Spirit pours into us these fruits of the Spirit. We too, although unsuccessful at times, are going to live a life similar with those characteristics of this woman in the poem. Now, I'm going to invite Michael and Kyla up. They're going to end in a song, and I chose this one on purpose because it's, it's not possible to do it all and be it all on our own. And thankfully, Jesus loves us just as we are.